from World Evangelism Center, St. Louis, Missouri, USA. Reaching every nation with Bible salvation, it's harvest time. Welcome. Welcome to the Biblos Network. We are so glad that you have joined us here today. And what a beloved sound here at the Biblos Network and in the Urshan family. For sure. I'm here with again with my brother, Pastor Joel Urshan from Cincinnati, Ohio. And if you do not know that, if you're uh, from this newer generation, what you just heard was the great intro to the Harvest Time radio broadcast that is a beloved staple around the apostolic world that ministered to millions of people for decades. Yes. That was the intro to the Harvest Time radio broadcast. And we thought we'd just throw it back a little bit for you here today at the Biblos Network. Right. Yeah, that was the voice of Brother Hugh Rose. Uh, he was the uh, moderator. He was kind of the, the voice uh, of the intro of Harvest Time which began in 1961 and uh, continued on to probably uh, 40 years. Uh, and uh, of course, Grandpa was the primary preacher. Through the years, he was joined by several other preachers, including uh, Brother Tenney, uh, Brother Wilson. Brother C.M. Becton. Brother C.M. Becton, that's right. All through the 80s and 90s, it was Grandpa and Brother Becton exclusively. Mm-hmm. And then in the um, 70s, there were actually several guest pulpit uh, preachers. But, but from, the, from about the 80s uh, on, it was Grandpa and Brother Becton. And, uh, and of course, Brother Rose was the, the, the voice of intro. But then Grandma's voice as the, as the uh, singing voice was just uh, a staple connected to Harvest Time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a... It was a, a broadcast of radio ministry that went around the world and of course the tagline that you just heard reaching every nation with bible, bible salvation. salvation it's, it's harvest, harvest time, time. <laughs> <laughs> i can remember waking up on sunday morning on oak drive in greenwood a southern suburb of indianapolis indiana and that's what we woke up to that's what we woke up to that's right it, it was on a couple hours before service began and and that would be playing in the radio in the kitchen Yep. And we'd wake up to get ready for church, bleary-eyed, and we'd wake up to Brother Rose's voice. That's right. And that was Sunday morning. Yeah. That was Sunday morning for a lot of people. Uh, around in a lot of countries. In a lot of countries. That's How exactly. many countries was that in? I, I don't have that number. It was, it was hundreds, wasn't there it? Was, it was, yeah, there were a lot of countries. And, and I, this is a, an interesting uh, little note. And the, the country of Jamaica... Uh, Jamaica was a um, was heavily influenced by Harvest Time. Uh, Brother Rashidi Collins, our dear friend, uh, told me he said uh, I was raised Anglican, but I would listen to Harvest Time. Wow! And he said all of Jamaica listened to Harvest Time, and so apostolic or not, they were listening to Harvest Time. Isn't that something? So the message of Jesus' name, baptism, and the oneness of God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, was was going all throughout Jamaica, and. Uh, speaking of our family, I was uh, speaking one time uh, and was in the company of uh, Bishop Bobby Stewart and Bishop Sammy Stewart, and I just made reference to the fact 
that our family is very connected to the Jamaican people, have been for many years, and I said it goes back to harvest time. And um, after the service, Bishop Sammy Stewart pulled me aside and said, uh, Joel, I need to just correct you on something. He said it goes back further than harvest time. Um, he said the relationship between the Jamaican uh, people and the Urshan family, it goes back to when Mother Russell, who was the founder of the Wildman Street uh, Church, which was a Pentecostal tabernacle in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, she was reading the Witness of God publication by you Andrew Urshan. That. That's right. And yeah. So A.D. Urshan's a. publication, The Witness of God. That's right. <clears throat> which was this was this would have been in the teens, twenties, thirties. Oh my goodness! And she's reading this, and she came to the revelation of the mighty God in Christ through those publications. And that was when she linked herself to the Urshan family, and this relationship formed that resulted in. Uh, grandma and grandpa going there every year uh, for decades and harvest time throughout the uh, island and, uh, and and just a beautiful relationship between our family and the Jamaican people my, and, the, my, my. and harvest time played a very key role but it, it predates harvest time it goes back to the witness of God right great grandpa A.D. Urshan was he understood the need for publicizing the gospel. He was constantly writing. Right. But Grandpa Urshan really pioneered a lot of radio ministry and broadcasting. Harvest Time was in its reach bigger than the UPCI. It, well, that's right. And it was the it was the concentrated effort of the UPCI in 19 uh, early 1960s. Uh, and Grandpa was the the main speaker yeah. for the the first several years, and then invited help. And yeah, in the radio world, there were people that understood Harvest Time, but didn't really understand one as Pentecostalism. Right, right. Well, there was a lot of mail that Harvest Time would receive, and uh, Grandpa would receive. We have we have letters from very well known televangelists at mm -hmm. that time uh, that were that were watching or uh, listening. Pardon me to Harvest Time, and were. Um, and were taking note of it, and and some of whom were baptized in Jesus' name as a result yeah. of harvest time, and so yeah, it, it, in fact uh, there were just the reach of it. It just went out, and it was it was playing so consistently for so many years that it, and it was very effective. So great grandpa Urshan, um, yeah, he was cutting edge with his publications, the books, the the. the periodicals yeah. that he would write his radio ministry in New York City. Did he have a radio ministry in New York City? Yeah, he had a radio ministry in New what York City. What was that City. called? Do you know what that was called? Um, you know, it, it, well, I think, I, I don't, I know that he would open it with the voice, the voice of the, the apostolic voice of the Middle East. Really? Yeah, coming to you from New York City. Yeah. Now, I know he was heavily into the Middle Eastern connection because he had that Persian right. ministry. Well, there was a name, a Persian the mission. Persian mission. Uh -huh. In Chicago. Right. So right. he leaned heavily on that Assyrio-Persian Right. Well, when he first started. Community. When he first started, it was, uh, there was a, a very strong <clears throat> concentration of Assyrian young men who had uh, migrated to yeah. America. And uh, that's who he focused on. That's the language that he spoke. He yeah. spoke very broken English. He was learning English. So he had about 40 or 50 
young men that he ministered to and they he ministered to them on the basis of repentance that mm. was what they understood at the time was repentance what year would that have been uh, 1908 so that was before he went back to and really Persia. faced the heavy heavy persecution right so what happened was he, he had experienced this repentance through his cousin uh, and his cousin uh, told him said Andrew you've got to get you've got to get right with God you've got to live a life of righteousness and so he, he prayed, uh, sought God, and truly turned from his sins. He actually repented. And never had he really fully repented before. And this, this experience so overtook him, he had to tell everybody about it. And mm. that's what started the Persian mission. He gathered all those young men and began to preach repentance to them. Uh, and he did that. He went across town to minister this message of repentance to a friend. And he walks into the house, and the landlady is um, there, and she tells him his friend is not home, that he would just have to wait for him if he'd like. He's welcome to wait in the parlor. And uh, A.D. Urshan is sitting there, legs bouncing, waiting, excited, wants to share the message of repentance. And while he's waiting, he just he can't contain it. He looks at the lady who owns the boarding house and says, have you ever heard anything about repentance? I just repented of my sins, and it is the most glorious feeling. I have turned from my sins, and I have such peace from turning from my sins. And uh, she listened to him, and she said, that's wonderful. And indeed, I have repented of my sins. And she said, I have a question for you. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Mm. And that little lady is the one that directed him to the Pentecostal Holiness Church in Chicago. Oh, my. Around 1908. And he gets over there, and when he walks in, he describes that he just... He was turned off by it, wasn't he? He was. He said it was disturbing. He said it was... Yeah, it was very foreign. Very, well, it, was, he just, it seemed like sacrilegious to him. They, you know, they were yeah. jumping. They were, they were hollering. They were shaking, falling now, out. His background... Presbyterian. Presbyterian. So That's he's right. coming from this formal right. Presbyterian background into this Pentecostal dynamic, and it's jarring it's jarring and it looks disrespectful to him and and he he just he's ready to walk out and as he's about to walk out the man next to him he's clearly an american chicagoan uh just starts speaking in uh, aramaic and uh, fluently and ad urshan looks at him as if to say how do you know my native language and what he was speaking was he was glorifying God. Yeah. And he was, in fact, Great Grandpa Urshan wrote and listed the, the words that he spoke, the Aramaic words, and had the corresponding English words to them because he could translate what yeah. the man was saying. Yeah. And he walked out of there and said, okay, that was very jarring. That was very um, almost disturbing, but... It is real. Yeah. And uh, so he goes back to those Persian mission men and tells them, we must seek for the Holy Ghost. But he didn't tell them that they would speak in tongues. And he didn't because he, he wanted to know if this was going to be uh, a natural occurrence or not. Mm -hmm. And one by one, they received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues without expecting to. Wow. And he was the last one to receive the Holy Ghost. But he, he then received the Holy Ghost, and 
his description of what they what happened to them when they received the Holy Ghost. He said, he said, we a uh, a uh, 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 spirit of prayer came on us. We started the Word of God came to life. That's when he saw the oneness of God. That's mm. when he saw baptism in Jesus' name. This is so good. That's when he saw the he he even said something that that is interesting. He said. That's when we received a revelation of divine healing. He said, um, before we received the Holy Ghost, we knew that God would work miracles, and we knew that God would um, that, 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 that God could use medical treatment. We knew those two things. Once we received the Holy Ghost, we understood divine healing. Mm. And I thought, well, that's interesting because we kind of today default to medicine and the working of miracles. Yeah, he's talking about something different, and he said a, he he said a spirit of prayer gripped them that they would wake up in the morning praying, they would leave the house praying, they would walk to work praying, they would pray while at work, they'd take lunch to pray, they'd go home to pray, they'd go to bed praying, and they'd wake up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues. Mm. And he said they prayed constantly, and that it was in the spirit of that, the context of that. And he went back to the Middle East to take the gospel of the Holy Ghost and filling to his family. And that's and he went to die as a martyr. He yeah, said, I, he believed he was going to die. That's correct. Yeah, he, he absolutely 100% believed I'm going to die as a martyr. And uh, and he didn't. God protected him. But he he won his family and that the, the village where he was brought up. Mm -hmm was in the middle of the Kurdish massacre, the Turkish massacre, and, um, and, then, and then was saved. They were all praying in a house. In a house, yeah. And the, uh, the, the soldier came in to kill them, and great-grandpa Urshan was the spokesman for the group as the minister. And he leapt to his feet, and he said, please do not harm these people. These are peace, peaceful people. They just want to worship God freely. And he described that the man had murder in his eyes. That's how he put it. There was murder in his eyes. But he said, as I pled our case, he said the Lord removed the murder and replaced it with mercy. And the man took that group of 40 to 50 people and led them out as prisoners, but actually... Led them through the camp. Led them through the camp. And he was a, he was a we would call him today a mujahideen. Right. It was, this was... Holy War. That's Holy War, yeah. And and great grandpa would call him a Mohammedan. Yeah, Mohammedan. It wasn't yeah. Islamic. It was Mohammedan well, to him. That's right. He was a Mohammedan, and and he <clears throat> took he took them to the Russian border, and, and that's how they got out of the village. How they escaped the massacre. That's right. And, and went how they got the, to Russia. And that's right. And they went from the frying pan to the fire because while there was there was the massacre happening in their home country, when they stepped across the border, they went into the the Bolshevik Revolution, and right into the thick of World War One. That's exactly right. Right <laughs> into the thick of World War One. All this unsettling, and, and when, literally, it, he's walking into the heartbeat of the overthrow of the Ottoman Empire. That's exactly what was happening, and he's in the middle of it, having revival. I mean, having revival, miracles. That has a scatological significance. Yes, it does. That out of that it maelstrom really would be a oneness, Jesus name witness. That birthed a big part of the powerful Russian revival. Yes. Um, well, 
Exactly. And, you know, one of the great stories that you and I grew up hearing and have told um, was when he was in Russia and he stood before the firing squad. Yeah. And the, uh, the firing squad was prepared to kill him and the saints. They found them in the underground church, having church illegally. And, um, and he threw up his hands to praise God and thought, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die worshiping the Lord. Yep. And, uh, and started speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Profusely. And thought he'd wake up in the glory of God. Yep. And when he, when he came to from that experience of speaking in tongues, all the soldiers were gone and all the saints' jaws were dropped open. And the translator asked, you, I thought you didn't know Russian. Yeah. And he said, I don't know Russian. That's why I have you here. And the translator said, but you just told those soldiers that that there was an army of angels surrounding them, ready to slay them should they touch the anointed of God, and uh, and they believed it. Yeah. And and our dad always would would wonder. I wonder if God opened their eyes to it and let them let them see. Let them see. Like just wondered. Like uh, the prophet. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, we've been told the story that Grandpa would retell that story in pulpits around the United States. And when I've told people that, they will have remembered it from times that where he preached that at different various places. And Grandpa, you know, he was a preacher and he, he knew how to he knew how to build to the moment to get maximum effect. And he, he would say, Some say that it was greater than the than Daniel in the lion's den. And some say it was greater than the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. And then he would pause for effect and he would say, it was greater. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if you're the guy that lived through it, you, can, you, you believe it was greater yeah, too. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. And he, you know, he was, those experiences uh, forged a faith in him that was, uh, I mean, unfeigned and it was unwavering. Mm. Uh, and he would come back to America, and and he came on fire. I mean, on fire. He wasn't afraid of anything. I mean, you face those kinds of things. Dan. Oh man! And what are you afraid? Why so, would you be afraid? Is this when he would have gone to Los Angeles? So he came back. Yeah, it wasn't long. Uh, he had gone to Los Angeles uh, in that in that through that period, uh, and and preached the gospel. And had mighty revivals, held uh, held crusades in the uh, ice palace, and uh, this is actually where he had uh, where he had connection to Amy Simple McPherson. Amy Simple McPherson. And so the Four Square Gospel Church had influence from a Urshan. Yes, via the influence that he had on Amy. Amy Simple, Simple McPherson. McPherson. Yeah. Right. If you go to the church there, um, what's it called? Um, uh, that church that she has there. It, you can go there today. It's the uh, the uh, Angelus. Angelus Temple? Angelus Temple, yeah. yeah. So you can go to Angelus Temple, and you can go into the room where it has the pictures of her ministry through the years. Um, and we're talking about Amy Simple McPherson, the, the founder of the Four Square Gospel mm -hmm. movement. And it shows her life from the beginning of her ministry on through towards the end of her ministry and what she did there in Los Angeles. And she impacted a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, a lot of movie stars. I wound up going to that church 
Um, but in the first set of pictures, you can see her um, as she was preaching, very modest. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point where it changed mm -hmm. and it became more Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And you can see um, where that, there was kind of a change there in the way that she presented herself. Um, but you can see that in those early years where there would have been influence from yeah. Grandpa. And, and Grandpa was, uh, he was very modest. I mean, he, uh, he was known to purchase his suits from Goodwill. Yeah. And uh, was very happy about that. You know? you know, Dad told us one time that he would bring um, bread and cheese in his pocket, or he would bring lunch meat and cheese in his pocket and go to the all-you-can-eat rolls restaurant where they would serve all-you-can-eat rolls as an appetizer, and he thought that was great because he could pull out his lunch meat and his cheese and he could have a sandwich with these all wonderful all-you-can-eat rolls. What, a, what an amazing... <laughs> but, you know, if you're coming from refugee, third world, and, and you know what it means to, to suffer and struggle, and, and there were times when he would travel. I mean, and this was often, actually. He would, he would travel by train and uh, and not have the fare, but have a directive of God to go to a particular city. And then he would be on the train uh, without any money to get to the next leg of the journey. And he would say, uh, Lord, who have you directed to pay for the rest of my fare? And he would look around and the Lord would show him whose heart was being stirred. And he would go to them and say, the Lord has moved upon you to help me make the rest of my journey. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. The Lord was moving on their heart. And he, that, he traveled crisscrossed the, the country preaching the gospel, fully dependent on the provision that God would make. And, and he lived the gospel. And he, he just went, around, went about doing good. Uh, he, he walked into one meeting. The way the Los Angeles crusade started was that he... He walked into a denominational church uh, and they were having their business meeting. And he walked into the business meeting and asked if he could speak. And he was already, he already had lodging at a boarding house. <clears throat> he had established where he would be staying. Goes to this denominational church, stands up in their business meeting and announces that he will be speaking about the power of the Holy Ghost at such and such address, and it was the address of the boarding house. And there, was a, there were people at that business meeting that wanted to hear about it. Remember, this is just a few years removed from Azusa Street, mm -hmm. so yeah. So there's remnants and echoes of Azusa exactly. Street. Exactly, and, and it's kind of starting to fade at Azusa to some extent. And so there's this, this idea that, well, yeah, we've been hearing about this, we'd like to hear more about it. So they would come, he would preach from the front porch of that boarding house. And, and before, that recruit, before that revival was over, he was filling the ice palace and, and performing uh, ministry that was uh, impacting the whole area. Now, was he connected to the Assembly of God at this point? Uh, I, I believe so. It, it, it might have, yes, he was connected to the Assembly of God, or to at le and he was at least connected to the, uh, he was at least connected to those who would be founding the Assembly that of God. That would be founding, yeah. yeah. Now, is he listed in the founding um, the I, I would have to check that. I remember seeing a, a dictionary one time or an encyclopedia of yes. 
of founders. He, he was mentioned in there. Yeah. Even his picture was in there. Right. I don't know if it was the founding members or if it was members that were present at some thing. Yes. He's very he's very present in the historical documentation of yeah. the beginning of the assembly yeah. of God. Yeah. What his actual role and title and all of that, I'd have to I'd have to check that again. Too, yeah, maybe there's sure. somebody out there that's watching this. You can help us with that. Find out exactly what what the role was. It, it, it was something. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a, there was a dictionary of religious and charismatic figures right. that that really spoke about that. Well, and they included he and Grandpa in that mm-hmm. dictionary. Yeah, they just their their influence. And and Grandpa uh, carried on the revival that his dad uh, saw in Russia uh, in a very unique way. Of course, when Great Grandpa left Russia. He, it was like a whirlwind impact, you know. He hit it and and had to leave. Was he there for six months? About six months. And he baptized lots of people, <laughs> like over a thousand people. Wasn't it was it? hundreds. I don't I, I don't know the exact number. It was offhand, a lot, enough to where it founded a movement there in Russia. That 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 to this day many are still uh, connected back to Andrew Urshan and and either call themselves Urshanites or descend from Urshanites, but there's still a remnant of Urshanites. Um, what was interesting about that is that they were all thrown into prison, like like the vast majority mm-hmm. of those oneness Pentecostals were thrown into prison during the uh, revolution and the subsequent communist regimes. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, they're thrown into prison, so they think they've got those people out of their hair. But what was amazing is that it actually gave the oneness preachers a captive, a literal captive audience. Hmm. They preached the gospel in the prisons. Wow. So when they came out of the prisons, they came out as a force for revival. Isn't that something? And everybody was being converted inside those prisons and they were, <laughs> they were coming out. Brother uh, Ray Nichols, the missionary to that part of the world, uh, has met Urshanites who explained that to him and said they thought that they would shut us down by throwing us into the prison and all they did was give us fertile ground with which to work and so they had revival in the prison that's a paul and silas dynamic it is and it lasted for decades it lasted generations um grandpa got involved in the 80s with what was known as the siberian seven so the the siberian seven were a group connected to that original russian revival they, they, right, they were they were Pentecostals, and they uh, they were being persecuted, <clears throat> being persecuted, and they came to the American embassy for safe haven mm-hmm. because they wanted to be free to worship. Uh, of course, from Siberia, and there was an international crisis that developed because the American embassy saw this as an opportunity to. Um, they didn't feel the liberty to release these people to the cop. These people could be killed. They were already being persecuted. Mm-hmm. They're what uh, they had children to be killed in front of them. That's why they fled to the embassy. So, the so they embassy, gave them sanctuary. They gave them sanctuary, and the Russian, the Soviet government was uh, bearing down, and it turned into a standoff, and that's where Grandpa got involved, and uh, and Grandpa felt led of God to step into where his father had once labored. And one of the great stories is that he and Brother Harry Sism and Brother Robert uh, McFarland went over to Moscow, and he just went by the direction of the Lord and 
<coughs> Brother Sism <coughs> said to him on the way over, he said, now, Brother Urshan, uh, what is the plan when we, when we arrive? What, what is the plan? And Grandpa said, we don't have a plan. <laughs> said, we're just going to land. On a wing and a prayer. Or a, a wing, air, airplane wings and a prayer. And they get there. And he describes not knowing where to go, what to do. And he goes into a department store. And he met the guy. The guy. The big Texan. The big Texan. With the big right. hat. That's right. <laughs> and that guy said, you stick with me. I'll show you where to go. And th they had to be careful because there were there hotel room was bugged they they were under surveillance the whole time they were there uh, grandpa had a pretty tense exchange with government officials who mocked him and said if 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 you want these people to be free so bad tell your god to deliver them and to that grandpa stood pounded his fist and declared our god will deliver them and that's exactly what happened they were they were released they were sent back to um, America or sent to America grandpa met them at the airport we interacted with them as kids what year would we have met them that we would have met them in about 84 84 so 84. I would have been seven right eight seven eight and I remember Lydia Veschenko mm -hmm. singing to us yeah she was singing I, I guess it was some kind of a Russian song maybe a lullaby or a a, a church song maybe mm -hmm. um, but I can remember her singing I can see her yeah. singing that and I can see her features you know they yeah. she had like Slavic features right and I, I looking back on the historical moment yeah we were children we didn't know what we were looking at that's right no we, she was just a sweet lady to us yeah. and she was sweet and she was one who's whose baby was ripped from her arms My. by Soviet soldiers and was, was killed in front of her and um, deeply traumatized by what she experienced. And so she had a, she had a real uh, draw to us mm. as children and gave gifts to us and loved on us. And, and uh, we remember that to this day, have yeah. pictures of it yeah. and uh, pictures of being with her. And, um, it, it, you know, it's interesting because the Secretary of State, George <clears throat> Schultz, and President Ronald Reagan had a deep appreciation to Grandpa and to the United Pentecostal Church. Because of the role they played because in helping role. widen that, that fissure. That's that, right. That schism that had begun to appear. And that was really the first... Uh, the first uh, Crack of the Berlin crack Wall. Crack of the Berlin Wall. It really was. Because the Soviet Union was just formidable and un, unyielding. And uh, and this forced it. The fact that they could extricate those people. It meant a lot. Yeah. It told volumes of what they could accomplish. Basically, Grandpa Urshan tore that wall down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just claiming that. Exactly. I'm just going to claim right. it. That's right. <laughs> Him and Reagan together. Him and Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> That's our story. Yeah. We're sticking to it. <laughs> That's right. It, well, he, it, it is interesting as in, in the way that his dad was there when all of that started. Look at that. that well, that's World War I. Yeah. Um, and now here is the fall of the fall Soviet of the, communism. And, that's right. And, and Mikhail Gorbachev. And, and Grandpa plays a role. He is right there in the he thick He plays of, a role. Oneness men placed in those positions. Yeah. Holy Ghost-filled men. Yeah. 
at pivotal moments in history. That's right. Very similar. I mean, very similar. Going back to it is greater. <laughs> it is greater. <laughs> going back, going back to, to Daniel, the Bible says he was preferred above presidents and princes and to Joseph and Egypt. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do need to recognize that, that just by doing the work of God and preaching the gospel and, and being present and willing to act upon the directive of the spirit, mm. that's where we will play a critical role in world affairs. Not because we're trying to, not because we're aspiring to, not because we're hoping to get something. It's just put. inevitable as you do that work. As you do that work, that path leads into some of those areas and it'll lead right back out of them. Mm. Uh, but, but let it take you where it needs to take you. And, and, and they, they really did. Uh, our dad was involved, he was present. Uh, never forget, he was meeting with President George H.W. I remember that. And it was August 1st, 1990. And uh, he was with President Bush. And President Bush announced that we were closer to world peace than at any time in the history of mankind. And uh, everybody applauded him. And our dad and Brother Beckton were sitting there, uh, present in that meeting. And uh, that night, President Bush was awakened in the middle of the night and was told that Saddam Hussein had just invaded Kuwait. Wow. I mean, 10 hours from when he announced. Closer to world peace. Closer to world peace than at any other time. And it reminds you of the scripture when they say peace and safety. Yeah. And come a sudden destruction. Sudden destruction. Peace doesn't come by any effort of man. It can only come through the righteousness of God. And, and that was interesting that, that dad would be there to hear this announcement and then the next day, really the, 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 the next few decades of, of war yeah. were instigated by that invasion. Well, during that time, you know, we're, we're talking about the context of our family. This is what we know and how God would place grandpa and great grandpa and our father in positions that had a greater significance than they even they themselves might have even realized in that moment um, right. there was the time where um, Yasser Arafat right came he came to Washington DC didn't he he did and and the way that grandpa interacted with Yasser Arafat happened in 95 95 and grandpa took great criticism yes for daring to meet with the head of the, the PLO. Correct, yeah. A terrorist organization, and here's Grandpa meeting with him. Right. And Grandpa took a hit. He did, and he, he just he just said, I don't know how to describe it, I feel led of God to, to meet this man. And we actually have the, the footage of that meeting, and Grandpa, along with several ministers of the United Pentecostal Church, met with, um, with Yasser Arafat, uh, it was it was while they were in Athens and they'd gone up to Jerusalem and they went over to meet with Arafat. So it was over there. It was not in D.C. D Arafat came to D.C. later. But, okay. But yes, but they met over there. Okay. And so where did they take the infamous photo? That of, was that was over there. That was over yeah, there. Yeah, that was over yeah, there. So, there, so they were shaking hands. They snap a picture. And he's holding Grandpa's arm. Yeah. And that meant to his soldiers this man is a friend and everyone with him is to be protected. And, and it was a, quite a gesture of, of, 
of uh, generosity on mm -hmm. the part of Yasser Arafat. They they developed a friendship. In the video footage, Grandpa's preaching the gospel to Yasser Arafat. I mean, Acts 2.38, he's preaching. He is preaching the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to Yasser Arafat. And and it is uh, remarkable, really, that yeah. their, their connection. So well, they, that picture leaks out, and Grandpa, there were people who criticized him yes, for daring was, to... Yeah. But give credence to him right why are you meeting with Yasser Arafat and he has to say well I I, what do you, I feel led of the Lord we have responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature yeah and uh, you know if uh, people would have probably criticized uh, uh, the apostles and the prophets mm -hmm. for preaching to the, the kings of those days yeah so grandpa knew he had a responsibility what's interesting is that it was a few years later yeah this that, is what I wanted to get to. Yeah, it was a few years later that uh, some of the apostolic pastors in Bethlehem were were targeted by some political warring factions in the Middle East. And the PLO really had a, a bounty out on them. And uh, they and their families were in danger of being, of being murdered. And Global Missions got word to Grandpa, our pastors in this area are in danger and uh, grandpa urshan contacted pastor anthony mangan in alexandria who has a, a close relationship with former president bill clinton and he said to him i need to talk to the president uh, president clinton was the president at that time and so a few minutes later grandma gets a call and it's the president of the united states asking to talk to grandpa so grandpa gets on the phone he said mr president uh we have a problem some of our apostolic pastors are in danger of losing their lives and their families' lives are in danger and i need to talk to or get word to mr arafat now president clinton was very uh aware of the apostolic movement mm -hmm. he attended the arkansas camp meeting in redfield arkansas for 12 years straight as governor and um, was very uh, closely associated with the apostolic Pentecostals through Brother Lumpkin and uh, Brother Mangan. And uh, so uh, President Clinton said, why don't you and uh, Pastor Mangan come up to Washington, D.C. and tell me everything I need to know. I'm going to be meeting with Arafat in about a week or so at Camp David. So uh, Grandpa and, and Brother Mangan went to Washington, D.C. and shared the whole encounter, the whole story, the details with President Clinton. And when he met with Yasser Arafat, he said, I need to talk with you uh, as we engage in these talks about the United Pentecostal Church, about Reverend Urshan. And uh, Yasser Arafat remembered Grandpa and the United mm -hmm. Pentecostal Church based on that meeting. He said, that's my friend. Yep. I know who you're talking about. And and those men's lives were spared. Their families' lives were spared. They sent a group in to evacuate them. Yes. From where they were, didn't they? Yeah, they it was they were they were completely moved from the situation and 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 God delivered <laughs> them. It was really like an old testament story almost. Well uh, oftentimes there are things we think are terrible and men will criticize 
and God will put us in situations we don't know why. Why why am I being pushed into Russia? Why am I being put in connection with a man that is on the terrorist international terrorist maybe the head of the terrorists right. um, but God has a plan and yeah. it is always for his body to be edified right grandpa was ready to be martyred mm-hmm. and he winds up preaching a great revival right and altering the course of apostolic history the truth is great men aren't trying to be great exactly when they're great exactly that's right they're just trying to build a church they're that's trying right. to they're trying to do good to do good, yeah. Great greatness is greatness is the culmination of doing a lot of good, and and you know we 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 want God to say well done, uh, but we're to be not weary in well doing. Have you ever noticed that there is a connection between um, the well done? God puts a connection to good and faithful. Mm-hmm. And he also makes a connection to the wicked and slothful. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Goodness is tied to faithfulness. There right. is a, you know, if you talk about the little woman who builds the room on the side of her house, mm-hmm. her goal was not to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Her goal was to minister to the man of God and do good. Right. From that encounter, God gives her a child God raises that child from the dead. Exactly. Jesus yeah. references that in the New Testament. There's things that spring out yeah. of, and then the Bible says that she told her husband, behold, this man of God comes through here. Yeah. Let's build him a chamber. Yeah. Just doing something good. Just doing something good. And that's what the Bible says about Jesus. He, he went, went about, about doing good. <laughs> and, and so well done and well doing. You know, we, we, we participate in well-doing, 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 and one day it turns into well-done. Ah, that's so good. <laughs> and, and, and I like to tell my church, I don't want to be medium rare. <laughs> I want to be well-done. <laughs> A cake not turned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to be well-done. Man, that is, that's wonderful. It, well, that has been ingrained in us even to the point where some people might interpret it as stubbornness. If you, if you're going to violate the principle of a thing, there's something in me Mm -hmm. that says, no, I can't violate principle. Right. That's wrong. Right. When we were little and I had forgotten this, you reminded me of this. There was a ball that we had gotten somehow. Well, we went with our, our buddy, little neighborhood buddy, and went to the store. We would climb over the fence and go to the store. <clears throat> I was really little. Was it Cub Foods? Galleons. Galleons, mm-hmm. yeah, which was by Cub Foods. Yeah. By Cub Foods. So we were in the neighborhood with our little buddies, and we would run over there with our little money and buy a little stuff. That's right. And and uh, our little buddy, we, we'd go over. We had, we, you know, we'd get a couple dollars, and we could. it didn't matter what we bought. We just wanted to buy something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we get over there, and we didn't have any money at the time <laughs> and <laughs> and uh our little buddy stole a ball i had never seen somebody steal something before i was i think i was probably six or seven you were probably nine or ten and uh i couldn't believe what i was seeing i you have to go pay for that but no he didn't he took it and we walked out of that store and he had that ball it was, a, it was just a little ball bouncy a ball 
And um, I remember we got back to the house and he wanted to play with the ball, throw it, bounce it. And uh, I was going to, you know, okay, all right, we'll throw it and bounce it. And I remember you said, we can't. It's stolen. <laughs> I said, I remember thinking, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is stolen. I can't play with a stolen ball. And, and that has stuck with me all these years. The power of a good example. You know, I was really little and I was just all I could, I didn't really, I knew it was stolen. I knew that was bad, but it was a ball and we could play with it. And then when you said, oh, we can't play it. You can't, we can't violate this principle. Yeah. It stuck with me. And, uh, and, and there's, and that's been the way on other issues and levels, uh, in our family. It's been a matter of principle. It's that, a, to our detriment in the short term sometimes. Right. You know, this is Daniel when they tell him he can't pray. Yeah. He throws the windows open. That's right. He, he could have done a lot of things. That's right. But he, you know, the scripture teaches that we yeah. turn to Jerusalem. That's right. In that Old Testament context. And we pray towards that temple. He was going to pray towards that temple. That's right. And he did. Yeah. And he wouldn't violate the principle. And it was to his detriment in the short term. Yeah. But, but you can't have lion's dens. That's right. Well, lions it, didn't visitations. The, well, and that's just it. God will always honor principle. He'll honor the principle. He will, and he'll honor the principle keepers. And 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 that's the thing that we have to remember when we keep principle. God is for us. And and if God be for us, who can be against who us? Who can be against us? It is sometimes comes across as naivete, or it comes across as stubbornness, or it comes across as not politically aware or savvy or. Yeah. Whatever the current climate that you find yourself in, it may be unpopular. Like in the case of the the Russian Christians, it was yeah. illegal. Yeah, yeah. To exactly. obey the principle of worship. Exactly. And they're obeying God's word gets them in trouble with the government, much like Daniel got in trouble with his government, much like the three Hebrew children get in trouble with their government. Yeah. They run to the embassy. God miraculously opens doors. It is in that obedience that yeah. legacies and heritages that's are right. established. That's right. Well, Abraham, he believed in God and he obeyed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. When he obeyed God, believed him to the point of obedience, the, the obedience was the evidence of the belief. Mm. Uh, God just said, oh my, what am I looking at here? Well, you said it the other night. I'll take that. <laughs> exactly. I'll, take I'll, that. I'll count that for righteousness. Yeah, I'll count that we're, You're a hot mess, but I'll count that. <laughs> I'll count that for <laughs> That's exactly right. And he, and God blessed him. He said, "Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I will bless your uh, seed as the sand of the sea, stars in the sky. Uh, I'll bless them who bless you. I'll curse them who curse you. And every place you set your foot, I'm gonna give it to you. It was almost like God was just waiting." for somebody to believe him and obey him. And as soon as Abraham did, God was like, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Blessing, yeah. multiplication, My. dominion, authority. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And God is still waiting for people to just believe him and obey him. Mm. And obey him in spite of what popular culture says. Well, one of the things A.D. did was it was unto death. Yes, yes. Well, what did Revelation say? Be faithful even unto death. 
Yes. Yes. And and Jesus, and the course of Christ, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, th- this is not on the scale of A.D. Urshan facing what he faced, but I can remember walking the streets of Fort Myers into very rough, rough places. Yeah. And pulling Bible studies out of there. And I remember vividly thinking, Lord, I need your hand of protection. Yeah. Um, and being ready to suffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't know if it come in the form of robbery or, or some kind of uh, antagonism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw devil possessed people. Mm-hmm. I was able to lay hands on people uh, in a dramatic way and minister to families. There is something about fulfilling the mandate of the New Testament. Yeah. That is hard that people are scared of. They're intimidated by it. Going into places where you're uncertain, having to take stands that aren't always popular. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Brother Goder has a statement. He'll say, I don't make decisions. My principles yeah. make the decisions yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it reminds me of Brother Booker's message. I planned it when I was in my right mind. Mm. <laughs> and it's important to make those decisions at an altar of prayer and sacrifice, at yeah. a place of consecration and dedication. And choose you this day whom you will serve. And and it wasn't just for that day. Mm. They were to choose that day a decision that they would keep for the rest of their day 